All right, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> really excited to be here and to uh, just share the message that, that God's placed on my heart. Um, it's my first time, kind of, now, even though it's kind of my third time now at the church. It's my first time really, like, preaching, preaching to a full church, a full message. And um, talking with Pastor Barry and Pastor Andy, like, do you have any tips, any tricks? Like, how do I, how do, I do this? Um, the only thing they said, which is encouragement, I'm not sure, but they both went back to their, oh man, like my first message, it was a train wreck. Like I look back, I look at my notes and like thinking, what am I doing? So I guess it's going to be bad, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll look back and I can work on it, I, I hope. So I just want to um, um, open up by expressing thankfulness, um, expressing unworthiness. And so I just want to say that I... I stand before you right now as a sinner. I stand before you as an evil person with evil ways, but my life has been cleansed, has been saved through Jesus Christ, through him. And I have to say that because standing before you right now with my dress shoes on, holding a Bible, going to teach you the Bible, is incredible. It's crazy. I look back to my, my hometown, my friends at hockey, that I, all of my friends, it's my family, that that don't know him, that are, that are a sinner just the same way as I'm a sinner, is an evil person the same as I'm evil, but they don't. They've never been saved by the blood of Christ. And it's crazy. So I stand before you today as that sinner, but I've been saved. And it truly is just mind-blowing that I'm here right now. Not sure how it happened. So I want to share something that I heard from Andy, Pastor Andy Spencer. I've been meeting with a guy, and he's, he's, he's a bit younger than I am. And he's just trenched. He's just tangled so much by, by sin, by, by addiction, um, just sin in every way. It's been passed down through generations to him. And so we've been meeting with, I've been meeting with him, and, and when he looks at you and he's broken, he says, like, what do I do? Like, I need help. What do I say? So I'm talking to Pastor Andy, and I'm like, what do I say in this situation? Like, I can open up, you know, and tell him, like, well, you need to know Jesus. But, like, he's like, okay, well, I've heard that before. So what do I say? And so by a bit of a confession, I've been through three years of Bible school right now, by, by now. And honestly, kind of came locked and loaded, ready, passed the exams. I have, like, the three answers to any theological question I could, I could ever be asked, right? I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm in church. I'm ministering now. Let's go. Like, I'm ready. And man, was I shocked. Like, people are just broken. People aren't coming to you be like, let's debate this verse and figure out where. You know, people are just honestly hurt. And, and as I look into my life and I see the brokenness and, and the sinful, sinful ways that I have, it's the same as everyone else. Everyone's just broken. So that took me off guard a little bit. Everyone just wants to know, like, how do I just, how do I love my significant other? How do I step away from this sin that is just like so easily ensnaring me? It's like this wet shirt that I take off and I set aside and, and then I go, but I just keep on putting that disgusting shirt back on and I, and I don't have victory in my, in my life with Christ. So talking with Pastor Andy, Pastor Barry shared from Romans 9 the idea of God with his choice taking, taking clay and throwing it on and, and molding it. And, and it's us that he's molding. 
And he's, and he's doing to us, through us, what he, what he wants to do. And Pastor's encouragement, or Andy's encouragement to me, on what do I say? He said, well, you're, say you're this vase that God is molding. Maybe it's here. It's kind of being dried out a little bit. It's got cracks because that's the way that God perfectly made you. You're this vase. You've got little cracks in this vase. And, and what do you think would happen if you have this, this partially molded vase with cracks in it and you take a light bulb and you, and you set the light bulb down in the center of it? What will happen, right? Well, it's through those cracks and it's only through those cracks that Christ's light will shine out. And so just before I get onto my, my testimony... My story, because I was advised that it's probably a, a smart thing to do, kind of share like who I am, where I come from and stuff. That needs to be the foundation, that, that it's through my weakness, through, it's, it's through my failure, my wrong, that, that Christ, that God is, is, is shown. I can tell my friends, I can tell people, like, you need to know God, but and they say, why? Well, he's this and he's this and he's this. But if they don't personally see how through my life that Christ is strong, and there's no desire there. So growing up, the gospel just never made sense to me. And again, I don't know if, it's, if it just didn't make sense to me or if I didn't want it to make sense to me, if I didn't want to accept the realization or believe in it. But um, I grew up in a great home, a Christian dad and Christian mom and Christian brother and, and sister. And great home, great home, honestly. I was, I was taught the word and I was, I was taken to church and I went through Juana and, and everything. But... As a little compacted just picture of, of my testimony, just picture me standing in, um, in church, looking up to my father, my mother, my grandparents, my uncles, my brother, and just seeing them with their eyes closed maybe, or they're singing, or they're giving money to the church. But picture me just looking up at my father and not understanding that he's really talking to God. When he closed his eyes and he's praying to, to God, it was, like a, it was like a dream to me. It was imaginary. It was, there's was a disconnect. I didn't realize that he was actually speaking to the person who gave him his hands and his feet and his life and his family and everything. I just, there was a disconnect there. And it was like um, maybe sitting around the supper table and, and dad would ask me, you know, do you want to give thanks for the food? Like we did all the time. I'd say, sure, okay, yeah. We hold hands, I close my eyes, and I'd pray, but I was just praying to my dad, to my family. I didn't actually, I wasn't at that moment really thanking the creator, the eternal creator for this food, because I didn't know him. I didn't have a relationship with this, this God that I'm, I'm told about so much. You know, what really drove me nuts is, is around the supper table, my sister was just so good all the time, like... Oh, man, it drove me nuts. And so my failure to be good, like the trouble child or whatever, I hated just my sister. We sit down at the supper table, and she goes, all right, let's pray for the food. Like, big smile on her face, and that just drove me up the wall. Like, Because I, I, I thought she was faking, because I didn't understand this, this relationship with God. So I had a conversion or an experience where I got saved, and it was at camp when I was, I think, five. And so I just heard. I heard that there was hell that hell's not good, I heard that there was heaven, that heaven's really good, and that you need to be saved to go to heaven. Clear. He went into fire and everything, and, and then at the end he said, if you want to be saved, if you want to go to heaven, go ask your mom, go ask your parents maybe, or talk to me. 
So I did that. I said, I don't want to go to hell. So I went and I talked to my, my mom on her bed at a camp in a little cottage. And I said, um, I want to get saved. So like any mother would, she's like, okay, let's sit down. Let's do this. This is great. This is what I've been praying for. And so we start praying, but it was one of those, those prayers where, you know, my hands are here and I'm, I kind of keep on opening my eyes. And she's like, now say that you're a sinner and that you want forgiveness. I'm like, okay, okay, so I do that. And she led me through that prayer. And then great, boom, awesome, Levi's saved. Grandparents are pumped, you know. They're all, everyone's happy because Levi said the prayer. Levi got saved. But my story, my personal story, is, is not that at all. I turned six, I turned seven, up to... 14, 15, 16, early 17, and clearly by the fruit of my life, the desire of my life, the, the path of my life, I didn't know God. I didn't have a relationship with him. I remember one time on the playground saying, oh my God, and being like, oh, that's like the worst thing ever. So I tried not to do that. But besides that, there's no fruit in my life. And that was very clear, very clear to me. It is now. It wasn't then, I guess. But My desire, my focus was just social status, it was popularity, it was hockey nine times a week, just like hockey all the time, only hockey, friends, parties, and then eventually I got my car. I got my license and I could go where I wanted to, when I wanted to, with whomever I wanted to, and that just like spiraled into just more sin, really. The, real, the reality of me doing what I wanted to do, the, being the Lord of my life, with that freedom, it just exploded. And it just, it got really dark quickly. So then it, just, it changed one night. And I was, I, uh, I was at a party, and it was like a pre-party. We were ready, ready to go to the, getting ready to go to the, the main party. And I was just like, not nah, feeling good. So I went for a walk, and I started walking down University Ave, which is like the main street down, downtown Charlottetown, where I'm from. And... I was feeling gross. I was feeling like I might yak, so I, I went into the Washington's and McDonald's, and um, kids <laughs> like love this story at, at youth group because oh, like Levi I got saved at McDonald's. That's so that's funny. That's cool. So I went into this the wheelchair stall, the big one, and when I was walking in there, it just hit me, and I don't I can't explain how this happens. I don't I I can't put this in words, but God showed me his righteousness. He showed me Christ's death on the cross. He showed me that there's something coming after this life. And he showed me like a glimpse of my life and, and my desire and my, my priorities and how it's just me. It's only Levi. The only thing I think about is, is Levi and, and the, the sin that I've committed that he showed me. And then just in that, in that when I was, just, right before I turned 17, I, uh, in the bathroom of McDonald's, I just got down and I asked God, please save me because I'm a sinner and I need you. Because for the first time ever, in contrast to that time when I was on my bed with my mother, I understood why I was saying that prayer. I understood that I was lost, that I'd sinned against a perfect God. And that day in the, in the washroom, I got saved. And so, Hearing someone like Tyler Jenkins give his testimony two nights ago, grew up in a Christian home, it's all good, and, and he genuinely did get saved at a young age, like five or six or something. 
And then he's went on his life and he said, when he's giving testimony, he said, like, I'm different than maybe Levi where I had just like this instant, like this, this change where I knew that I've been, I've been different. Whereas he would kind of walk through life and God would show him like, hey, this, you got this wet shirt on, rip it off and, and walk further. And, and God would lead me in this way and lead me that way. And I can look back at my life and see, wow, I'm one of his and I have this relationship with him. But sometimes it's, we can doubt that because we haven't had that like, boom, change, you know? And, and so in my life, I'll just testify to you right now that there's a change. After I walked out of that washroom, McDonald's, I felt conviction of the Holy Spirit. When I went back and I would sin or I would just go back to my old ways, I felt terrible. I knew that this is wrong, that I'm not doing what's right. And the reason of that is because that God is who he is and I've committed myself to him. And now look at me, I'm turning my back and I'm going the opposite way. And so I felt that conviction that someone like Tyler would experience, he's experienced his whole life, but for me, it, I didn't have it and now I do have it. So there's, there's no doubt that, that I've been changed, that I have been made new, that I've been forgiven of my sin. So that, that's my story. That's my, um, my testimony from there. I tried to tell people at school, at, at, at uh, hockey, like, you know, like, I got saved. I'm a Christian. And people are like, what in the world? I remember telling my coach, like, well, I'm not going to play hockey anymore because I'm, I'm going to school, do like a Christian school. And he's like, Bible? Like, what are you talking about? That was hard. And I, and I suffered that, like, that persecution to some extent. But I believed. And so I, I started trying to tell people, like, or on the street, like, because my uncle said, if you, okay, if, you be, if you've been saved, like, go tell people. If you think you've been saved and you think that everyone else needs to be saved, you have, you have to tell people, right? You have to tell people that, that you have this way, the only way, and then you got to share that with them. And then I got people, people flipped through the scriptures like, yeah, I don't believe because of this, and I was way over my head. I didn't even know what was in here. So that urged me on to go to Bible school. So I've been there for three years, and now I'm here with my dress shoes on, speaking to you guys from the Bible, and it's just crazy. I don't understand how it happened, but that's where we're at. So I want to preach, I want to just talk to you guys more about, about the, the gospel. Just keep it simple. Talk about the way to be saved, how to know if you're saved, and we're going to do that from Luke chapter 13. So if you can turn there, in Luke chapter 13, we'll start um, reading verse 22. So at this time in Luke, for context, Luke has grown up, or sorry, Jesus has grown up, he's, he's lived a sinless life, he's obeyed the Father, and he is the perfect lamb. He's, he's, he's never done wrong, and now that he, once he turned 30-ish, now he's begun his ministry. So chapters 9 to 11 through Luke, through Luke is Jesus beginning to reveal himself, beginning to really show people who he is. He looks at, um, at Peter, he says, who do you say that I am? And he's like, oh, well, he looks at disciples and they're like, oh, well, some people say you're this, some people say you're that. And he says, no, who do you say that I am? He's trying, to, he's trying to start that personal, I am the one. I'm the one from God. So now these chapters that we are in right now, chapters 12 to 16, in Luke is, is Jesus. And we'll start in verse 22. It says, he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. So he's on his way to Jerusalem and these chapters are him just teaching people and healing people. He's teaching them not to fear God. Uh, he's teaching them to fear God. He says, "Don't fear 
people who can, who can kill you and then do nothing. But fear God. Fear God who, who once you've been killed has the authority to cast you into hell. That's the one you need to fear. You know, he says, um, now go proclaim me. Proclaim Christ. I'm telling you that, that I've, I've died and now you need to die to yourself. And then he starts explaining this to the people. He starts explaining money. He says you can't love riches. You can't love God and money. For where your, where your treasure is, that will be your, is where your heart will be also. So in verse 3 of Luke 13, he says, No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you all likewise perish. He explains that again. He explains that a bit. And then in verse 5, he says the exact same thing. He says, No, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So then he heals another woman, and then, and then people are just are starting to ask questions. They're trying to think to themselves. They're, they're looking around, and they ask things like, they look at Jesus, and they what's heaven going to be like? Oh, like, they ask him in verse 18 to 20, what's heaven going to be like? How can, we com- how can I compare heaven to wh- where I'm right at, right at right now? Because you're telling me not to... Not to, to give everything for you, for what is coming. Even my money, to give everything away. And what is that, that going to be like? What's the kingdom of heaven actually going to be like? He starts asking questions, and, and Jesus always answers them in a, in a, in a different way. So, let's, so starting in verse 22, it says, So he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and, and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? So this man just says, Jesus, I got a question. It seems just like mere curiosity. He's just curious. He starts looking around and says, are those who are going to be saved go to heaven? Are those few? He says, who's going to be there, you know? And we do that. I've done that. Especially once I got saved, I started looking around at my family, at my friends, like, wow, who's going to be there? And Jesus answers this question in verse 24. He says, he says, strive. He doesn't actually answer his question, but he makes it personal. He looks at this man, and he personally proclaims a direct command, personal command to this guy. I, I picture him looking, turning and looking at this guy right in the eyes. And he says, strive. Strive, you strive to enter that narrow gate. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. That word strive, it means straining every nerve to attain the or an object. Straining every part of your body to win that contest, that prize. And so Jesus doesn't answer his question, but he looks at him and he says, you, don't worry about them. It's about you, it's about yourself. You need to strain every nerve to make sure that you go through that gate. It kind of sounds like you're saved by works, right? Who's all going to be in heaven? He says, well, no, you make sure that you will be there. Make sure that you strain every nerve to, to be there. And in, in verse, in chapter uh, 7 of Matthew, you don't have to turn there, but it says, it's another account of this. It says, enter by the narrow gate. For, he, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter that are, are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So he doesn't tell them how many people will be in heaven, but he tells them that how many people, roughly, he says many people 
will not be there. Kind of answers it in a, in a roundabout way. So are you saved by what you do? Are you saved by just doing good? You know, there's, there's literally, literally people in the world who have the little notepad and they have, like, today I did this good and then I did this bad and they have a chart and before they go to bed every night they weigh it out and they make sure that they are doing good so that they can get through the gate. And then Jesus says, strive every nerve to make sure that, that you will enter that gate. So it kind of sounds like we're saved by, by, what we're do, what, by what we do, but these next five verses, I, I believe that Jesus teaches the exact opposite, that, that we could just never do enough. So reading in verse, in verse 24 again, on to 25, it says, strive to enter through. You strive to enter through that narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. For he says, when once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open it to us, then he will answer to you, I don't know where you come from. I don't know you. So if it's not by, if it's not by doing good, doing good enough, then what are the means by which we are saved. It's, it's, not, it's not failure on the seeker, that, that person that stands outside the door knocking. It's not a failure on his part to achieve forgiveness, to achieve that conversion through Christ. It's not, you know, you, you've tried to be forgiven by Christ and you didn't do it well enough. It's this passage, the message is that you're too late. Anyone who asks for forgiveness will be saved, but, but these people knocking on the door are too late. They had their time, and that day of grace has ended. Right now, we stand, or sit, in a day of grace, in the day of salvation. Jesus says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day by which you, may be, by which you must be saved. And these people knocking on the door, they had their time. I believe that I, when I was four to 16, if I had died, I had my time. But if I had have died in that time, then I'd be one of those people like, let me in. I came from a Christian home, like, I'm here. But the day's grace has, has ended. So, do you, do you know him right now? Do you know the master who, who shuts that door? First of all, who is he? Who is that one who, who shuts the door? And do you personally know that master? I want to read from Revelation really quick because I believe that that one, the only one who opens and shuts the door, is proclaimed here in, in Revelation. And so if you turn there right quick to Revelation chapter 1, this is, this is John, and Jesus has taken him through and he's shown him a bunch of stuff. But John says, when I seen him in all of his glory, and he describes what Jesus looked like, he says, when I seen Jesus, I fell as though I was dead. So verse 17 of Revelation chapter 1, it says, this is John speaking, when I saw him, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, for I am the first and I am the last. I'm the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys Jesus said, I died, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys to death, and I have the keys to Hades. 
And then, and then turn to chapter 3. This is Jesus' message to the church in Philadelphia. And halfway through verse 7, we'll read the words of the Holy One, the true one, the one who has the key of David, the one who opens and no one will shut, and the one that shuts and no one will open. And Jesus says, I know your works, I know you. Behold, I set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Because this time is still the day of grace. And so before all of us right now, there is that open door that is opened. That Jesus says, I have this door open and no one's able to shut. And I can shut it and then no one who comes knocking is able to open. Because I have the keys. So do you know him? Do you know the one who has the keys to this door? As we go on through these, these verses, I think that this is just like 100% proof that you can never do enough. You can never do enough to be saved. If we look at, if we look at the end of verse 25, these people who are knocking on the door, what, is this, what do they say? They say, Lord, open to us. Lord, open to us. Like it's personal. They're knocking on the door and like, like, it's us, God. Like, look, it's, it's us. Like, open up. It's, we're here. What do you mean that the door is shut? It's me. I'd ask you now, do you, do you know him? Do you know that if you were to knock on that door right now, do you have a personal relationship with, with God the Father, with Jesus Christ? Do you know him? Would he open that door to you? Is it... Is it possible, I believe, yes, that there's so many churchgoers today that are living that North American Christian lifestyle but don't know him? You know, they have went to, grew up in a Christian home. Maybe they went to a WANA or a kids club. They went to youth group. They go to church every Sunday. Even during COVID, they listen to it online, you know, like, but don't actually know him personally. Don't know him. What do you think? You think that that is possible? I think that, I think that it is. And those people will hear, will hear depart from me. Verse 27 in our passage says, but he will say, I tell you, I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Depart from me. I don't know you. When they say, look, it's us, he says, us, what do you mean? I don't know you. Depart from me. So back to the story, before we get into verse 28, context here, who is, who is it actually in the story that's knocking? Who are these people that Jesus is talking to? It's Jews, right? It's, it's Jews that are, that are knocking on that door. I just learned as of recently, this last year, that, that a Jew, that Jewish people aren't actually a race. It's a family that God, God came down and looked at Abraham and said, okay, from here on, I'm going to bless you, and everyone that comes from your lineage, from your line, is going to be called a Jew, a Jewish person, a Jewish person. So it's not actually a race. And so these people that are knocking, they're Jews, they're sons of Abraham who believe that, God, I'm your people. It's, you know, it's, it's me, it's us. I, I literally come from Abraham. I come from that line, the same line that Jesus came from. It's me. I think maybe the equivalence, these, this, 
the Jewish equivalent of, of us today thinking, it's me, <laughs> it's me. I went to church my whole, like, I was sat through all the music. I prayed for you almost every meal, even snacks sometimes at school. Like, like it's me. This Jewish equivalent is, this Jewish person is, who's knocking, is saying, it's me, I, I'm, a, I'm a son of Abraham. When we look at verse 23, it says, in that place, after he says, depart from me, he says, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourself cast out. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Some scary words, but that word see says when you see, when, you, when you're there at that door, you're knocking, and you see, that word see means to gaze at with wide open eyes at something remarkable. So we don't know how this works, how, these, how this Jewish person is knocking on the door and asking to get in, but they can't. But Jesus says when you're there and you're knocking, you're going to see Abraham, your father. You're going to see Isaac and see Jacob, all the prophets, with wide open eyes, like like jaw open. And when I say depart from me because I don't know you, they're going to walk away weeping, gnashing of teeth, the teeth just grinding because they're so mad because they thought that they had a place in the kingdom of God, but they don't because they didn't know they didn't know Christ. And then as we go on to um In this passage, these people are saying, I, I jumped over it, but they say, it's us. Right after they say it's us, they say, like we taught in your streets. We ate with you. We, rec- we reclined with you, and we taught people about you. Imagine this. These same people that God says, depart from me, I don't know you, I don't know your ways. They say, I, like I taught in your streets, probably was persecuted for it. I, like I, I ate with you, I taught for you. And then in Matthew, it says that these same people cast out demons in the name of Jesus Christ. Think about that. That's crazy. Someone, some of these people who are knocking on this door and aren't allowed in have stretched out their hand to someone who is demon-possessed and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave this person. And the demon leaves. And that same person who says, I cast out demons in your name. I ate with you. I taught in your streets. It's us. It's, it's us. He says, I don't know you. Well, how crazy it is that you, could, that you could do that stuff and still not know Christ. Is that not like the ultimate work, maybe? Like casting out demons in the name of Jesus Christ? Well, it's, it's proof. It's, it's 100% proof that we can sit in church week after week. Go to Wana, go to youth group and say, it's us. I've been here. Do all of that. That's nothing compared to cast no demons, right, in the name of Christ. But those same people, it says that they'll be, they'll be told to depart because they don't know, because he doesn't know them. So as, as, we, as we keep going down to verse 29, it says, And people will come from east to west and from north and south and recline at the kingdom of God, but you yourselves will be cast out. So what is this way? If it's not by just doing what we think is right to do here in America. If it's not by casting out demons in the name of Jesus Christ, that God says, okay, he's obeying me, 
Come on in. Then what is it? What is the way? Christ tells um, Thomas the way. Doubting Thomas. And we'll read that. You don't have to turn there, but in John chapter 14, Thomas looks at, at, the, at his Lord and he says, you know, we don't know where you're going. And, and, and how can we know the way? How can we know the way? And Jesus looks at it, Thomas and he says, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except for if it's through me. And if you had known me, you would know my Father. But you don't. So, so it's, it's Jesus. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the one that we need to strive for, to, to strain every nerve, to seek after. He is the door. He is the way, the only way. It's through him. So do you know him? Do you, do you personally know Jesus? Do you know, do you know God? Do you actually have a relationship with God? You know, are you, are you sure? Are you 100% confident that when you're at that door, that, that he knows you? You know, or picture him, a little abstract, but picture God like looking down onto the earth from, from north, east, south, west, and look, telling his angels like, look, there's my servant. Maybe his name's Johnny. Like, look, it's, it's Johnny. I know him. Like, we have this relationship. He's, he's one of my sheep and he hears my voice. He's been adopted into this family, and I know him. Why? I know him because he's, he's repented of his sin in the name of, of Jesus, and he's died to himself. He's realized that there's nothing he could ever do to be in heaven, but rather he's, he's, he's holding on to my Savior, my Son, Jesus Christ, his Savior. So it's not what, it's not how, it's not when, it's not what we're doing, but it's why, and it's who. Like for sure, yeah, we're supposed to, it says, he says, strive every nerve, strain every nerve in your body and seek after that narrow door. The narrow door, like we know, is Jesus. He's the only way we're supposed to strive after him. But why and who is it for? It's not for you so you go to heaven, but it's for Christ because he, he went to Jerusalem. He traveled on his way to Jerusalem to die. He died and he's alive forevermore. And he says, I got the keys, love me. And it's because, so it's because Christ deserves everything. And, and it's, a, it's a request to examine yourself. I need this examination. I need this, you know, realignment. So are you straining every ner- nerve to, to seek after Christ? I can forget this. I can, I go through periods of my life where I... Maybe go back and I put that wet shirt on and it feels good for a minute, but then God convicts me and he says, no, like, it's me that you need to look after. It's not yourself. So I, he gives me the power to, to, to forsake that. And, but through those, those rivets, those, you know, those tunnels that I go through, I start thinking, oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing well enough. And I start trying to do better myself. And, and then when that happens, man, when you start trusting yourself, you just... You just skyrocket down, you know, farther into sin. So do you know him? I'll just finish with, verse, with a verse in, um, in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. 
Hebrews chapter 12 is talking about Jesus, the perfect founder and of our salvation. He's talking about who it is that we actually have this access to the Father, to the Master. And then he, and then he encourages us to not grow weary. And, he, and, and by doing that, some of the words he says here in verse 12, it says, Therefore lift up your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees and, and, so that, and make straight the paths of your feet. So that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive. Strive for peace. Strive for that holiness through Christ, only through Christ, that without which, without that holiness in Christ, no one will ever see the Lord. Christ says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light, the only door to the Father, to the kingdom of heaven. And so that's, that's the message. Do you, do you know him? Are you sure that you know him? The Father, and in his way, Jesus Christ, because he's done it all. And I'll just finish with this quote um, that I heard recently. If Christ died for me, the least I can do is live for him. Right? If he's given his life, if he's done everything for you, and you believe that that is your means of salvation, then the least you can do is just is strive for him. But not so that you'll prove yourself to be worthy for salvation, but because you've given up and you've died yourself and you just say, please, please save me from my sin because I can't do it and I need you. So just today is the day of salvation. Something that I've learned through Bible school and through here even is the same way that I have friends and, and I have said, like, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow, like, tomorrow. There's also people that are 25, older than me, and 30 and 40, who are like, I'll, like I believe, but I'll do it tomorrow. Just today is the day of salvation. And there will come a time where it's too late. It's too late to, to die to yourself and, and ask him for his way. So thank you, and, and Pastor Barry's going to close in prayer. Just a personal time, so if we could just take a moment and bow our heads and close our eyes for a second, just personal reflection. I was thinking about Levi's message today, and I was thinking about the fact that every, every one of us is going to stand before God. And as we stand at that door, as it were, it's mentioned, and the master's on the other side of the door, the master of the door, and he were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? Why should I let you in? What would your answer be? If your answer is, well, I've been in church my whole life. My, my parents uh, have served God, as Levi mentioned. I made a, a decision. Not be, I didn't even know what I was doing. I just prayed some prayer when I was five years old. Um, I'm a good person. I help out people around me. If that was your answer, then none of those things will get you into heaven. If that's what you're relying on, none of those things will work. The only answer that works is I know the master personally. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. Maybe God's speaking to your heart today and you say, I'm relying on these other things. I want to rely on Jesus. I want to know for sure where I'm going to spend eternity and so this morning you would just say, I just want to trust Jesus. And so if there's someone here this morning who says, I need to make sure that this is correct. I need to know that this is settled. I pray that, Father, right now from their heart, 
to your heart, God. They would simply say, oh God, I, I realize this morning that you love me. And you don't want me to perish, you want me to go to, to heaven. However, I realize that I am a sinner. I'm an evil person, as Levi has mentioned. And I cannot save myself. Oh, Father, come into my life and save me. And he'll do just that, folks. He'll come in. He says, as many as receive him, to them gave you the right to become the children of God. And then there's maybe some believers here that have trusted Christ, but keep going back to that works thing. If I could just do a little bit more, if I can just live right, if I can just make sure that I'm doing enough, then somehow God's going to hold on to me. And the truth is the Bible says that once we're saved, we're always saved. And you may be going through life with failure after failure after failure. And so if you know Jesus, maybe it's a matter of just making sure that you recognize his saving grace is wonderful. It's full. It's enough. It's enough for, to give us that eternal life and safely take us home. Whatever it is, we're all going to stand before the master. I trust your answer is, I know him. I trust him. I walk with him. Oh God, we ask your blessing this morning. Thank you that you're a great and an awesome and an amazing God. Thank you for Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross for us, paying the penalty of our sin, past, present, and future, that we can invite him to come into our life and give us eternal life. Thank you for that great message. And then, Father, we can live for you, not because we're great and awesome and can strive enough, because you give us the grace and the power and the mercy to do so every day. Thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>